Section 1 of Dave Brings Home a Wife. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dave Brings Home a Wife by Steele Rudd. Narrated by Beth Thomas. Dad Rudd. Australian farmer, patriarch of the Rudd clan. Read by Son of the Exiles. Mother Rudd, wife of Dad Rudd. Read by T.J. Burns. Dave Rudd, son of Dad Rudd, newly married. Read by Thomas Peter. Sarah Rudd, daughter of Dad Rudd. Read by Linda Olsen Fytak. Lily, newly married to Dave. Read by Devorah Allen. Lily's mother. Dave's mother-in-law. Read by Sonia. Joe, son of Dad Rudd. Read by Nemo. Bill. Son of Dad Rudd. Read by phone. Barty. Son of Dad Rudd. Read by Peter Musgrove. Jimmy Regan. Neighbor to the Rudds. Read by Todd. Young Regan. Neighbor to the Rudds. Read by Zoe Trang. Willie Wiley. Orphan boy adopted by one of Dad's neighbors. Read by phone. Mary Murphy. Daughter of one of Dad's neighbors. Read by Leanne Yao. The Parson read by Larry Wilson. Mrs. Walker, read by Sandra Schmidt. Building Contractor, read by Larry Wilson. Chapter 10. Dave Brings Home a Wife. All was joy and merriment at Rudville. There was no grumbling, no dissension, no dissatisfaction of any kind. Even Dad took things cheerfully and became frisky and light-hearted as a fat lamb. The longest days seemed short hours, and home was simply heaven. Dave was the cause of all the love and felicity. Dave got married and brought his wife home to live with us. A fine wife she was, too. A slim, jolly girl with red hair. Lily White was her name, and we took a great liking to her. So did Dave. Lots of young fellows down at Prosperity had tried hard to win Lily, but she rejected them all with contumely. Dave thought all the more of her on that account. The welcome we gave to Lily when she arrived seemed to add 20 years to Dave's life. Our display of affection quite overpowered him, swelled his breast with gratitude, and filled his eyes with tears as large as hailstones. All of us, except Bill and Tom and me, met them at the gate and kissed Lily freely. We hesitated when it came to hugging her, but Sarah shoved us forward and said, Ain't you going to kiss Lily? She's your sister now. Then we took courage and waded in, though we wouldn't have hugged Sarah herself for a fortune unless it was on the solemn assurance that she was going far from home and would never return. After us, Dad stepped forward. Well, he said, removing his hat to expedite the performance. If she be your sister, she be my daughter. And he commenced vigorously where we had left off. When Dad finished with Lily, Sarah took possession of her and hugged her again and put an arm around her waist and conducted her up the veranda steps into Dave's little room, where she took her hat off for her and kissed her some more and showed her the newly papered walls, papered for her special comfort, and a new bed curtain and draping, and a coloured pincushion, and a pair of flower vases, and a wardrobe, and other knick-knacks and pieces of furniture which Sarah had robbed her own room of to surprise Lily with and make her happy. And Lily was happy. She sat on the bed and said so. She spoke fondly of Dave, too. It was hard parting with Mother, she murmured. But I don't mind when I know I have a good husband. And tears came into her eyes, and Sarah kissed them away and said, No one knows it better than I do, dear. 
who was always my favourite brother. Which was a fib, because Sarah always reckoned Dave a nuisance and never tired of wishing him married. She seemed to think that a wife was the worst infliction she could wish on Dave. Then Sarah broke into tears and Lily kissed them away. They're my sister, she said, and changed the subject. She turned it onto Sarah's future, and they became very confidential. Sarah smiled happily at Lily and said that she couldn't say for certain when it was to be. It might be at Easter 12 months or the following Christmas. It all depended. But Lily wasn't to mention it to a soul, not even to Dave. And when Lily had given her solemn word not to divulge the secret, they kissed each other again and said, We're sisters now forever. Then they returned to the veranda, where Mother and Dad and the rest of us were trying to entertain Dave. But Dave was a hard bridegroom to entertain. He didn't hear a word we had to say to him. Thought you was lost, he said, eagerly grabbing Lily by the arm and leading her inside to sit on the sofa. Four weeks passed, and home was merrier than ever, and Lily and Dave were as happy-looking as a garden. Dave was proud of his Lily. He rarely ever left her side. Lily knew the run of the house too now, and understood our ways and addressed us all by our Christian names and called Dad Father. Lily was never untidy either, and always came to her meals in a neat dress, and sat beside Dave with a buttercup in her hair. And she would talk cheerfully all the time, and point out resemblances between Mother's eyes and Dave's, or Dad's nose and Bill's. Lily was an observant young woman. In the afternoons, Sarah would take Lily for a walk. Often they would go down to the paddock and keep Dave company till nearly tea time. On other occasions they would go visiting together, and sometimes they would ride to the store or to the railway station and Sarah would give her side saddle to Lily and ride in a man's saddle herself. Sarah was fond of Lily. She couldn't do half enough for her, and Lily loved Sarah. Mother said she never knew two young people to be so devoted to each other, and Dad reckoned it was fortunate for Dave that Sarah wasn't Joe. Four more weeks elapsed. Sarah and Lily were not so fond of each other now. They didn't go anywhere together at all. Somehow they avoided one another, and Lily would go down to the paddock alone and remain with Dave till he knocked off work. Mealtimes, too, lost all their cheerfulness. All the good fellowship had gone from them. There was scarcely any conversation carried on at the table, and Sarah was nearly always absent from it. While we were eating, she would be working and banging things about in the kitchen. Sometimes Dad would miss her, and looking up at Mother, he would ask, Where's Sarah? And Mother would change colour and mumble a clumsy apology, which would make Lily fidget and look along her nose and frequently Lily would refuse a second cup of tea which she was badly in the need of and leave the table before she had finished, and with Dave at her heels would retire to her room. But Dad was not a man to notice little things, and sometimes he would add with a yell, Well, why the devil doesn't she come and get her tea? Dave and Lily isolated themselves, spent a lot of time in their room, and we wondered what was the matter. We couldn't make it out, and Joe asked Sarah one night what it was all about. Sarah, who had her sleeves rolled up making bread, dug her fists deep in the dough and said, Pishaw the little cat. Then she turned the dough over and slapped it down hard on the table and punched it with her other fist. Joe chuckled and said he could never understand why women couldn't agree. Could you agree with anyone? Sarah snapped. Who expects you to do all the cooking and washing and slaving and to run about and clean up after them while they sit down and up the lady? That's nothing, Joe said flippantly. Joe enjoyed Sarah when she was angry. Oh, isn't it nothing? And Sarah leaned on the dough with both hands and glared at him after the manner of Dad. Then let her do it if it isn't. 
I'm not going to stay here and scrub and wash her dirt for her anymore. That's one thing. Anyway, the least she might do is to clean out her own room and make her own bed of a morning. Instead of titivating herself as soon as she gets up, scenting herself too, and donning her old red hair to come out and sit down to breakfast as if she was Lady Muck or somebody. And Sarah waded into the bread again. Joe grinned some more and said, You're jealous, Sal. Jealous? What of? Sarah fired up. Of that cat with her red hair? Pooh, if it was mine, I'd get some lump black and change its colour. Joe went away smiling, and Dave, with a warlike look on his face, entered the kitchen. Dave was looking for a fight. Sarah didn't look at Dave. Any matches here? Dave asked, manoeuvring for an opening. There's some there. Sarah jerked out, walloping the dough as though it were a carpet. Dave glanced around the room for a second or two, then rested his eyes on Sarah. What have you been doing to Lily? He drawled at last. Who says I've been doing anything to Lily? And Sarah flashed her big eyes on Dave. Well, I know you insulted her. Dave replied. Well, if asking her to do her own dirty work is insulting her. Sarah snorted, facing Dave with a big cake of dough in her hand. Then I did. And I'll do it again. And what's more, you can tell us so. You're very funny. Dave sneered and walked out. Dave was no match for Sarah in a row. Dave went across to the barn where the husking was being carried on by lamplight and confided his troubles to Dad, and in the interests of peace, suggested building a house for himself. Leave them alone, Dad said. Don't take any notice of them. They're all the same. I'll drive you mad if you do. Dad didn't look upon the idea of building another house with favour. Dad never approved of ideas that cost money, and for the time being, Dave took his advice. But one evening, when loud screams issued from the house and we all stampeded from the milking yard and found Sarah mauling and clawing Lily and trailing her about over the backs of chairs, matters were brought to a head. It's not a bit of good. Dave moaned to Dad after peace was restored. I must have a house of my own, or else I'll clear out and look for work somewhere else. Well, Dad answered slowly, I'll see if I can't get you a bit of timber somewhere and put you one up. Then realising to what length he had committed himself in the way of expenditure, he exclaimed, Dash the women! They're always fighting about something or other! After tea, Dad sat on the veranda and cooled down and ruminated for a long time. Then he called Dave and Joe together and discussed the position with them. There were a house down on that old farm of Grogan's, Dad said. Is that there yet? Some of it's standing, Dave drawled, and Joe remarked with a chuckle that he was once... (laughs) Nearly putting it on the dray and bringing it home for a calf pen. Tut, tut. Not at all. Not at all. Dad said in disapproval. That were a snug little place when Grogan lived there first. Forty-five year ago, believe me. Forty-five year ago? From Dave, Joe chuckled again. Yes. Dad said sententiously. I don't think it's any older than that. Let me see. 
He made a mental calculation in the dark. Yes, no, yes, no, it's not more than 42. <laughs> Just about time for the sap to dry. Joe sniggered. When it's pulled down and trimmed up a bit with the ads and put up again. Dad went on enthusiastically. It'll look a different place. It'll look just as well as this, believe me. But you want some new timber, Dave put in anxiously. Well, yes, maybe. Dad grunted. But not much, you'll find, not much. There's a lot of material in that house when you come to go over it all. I remember it well. Then he said he would go with the dray in the morning and bring the building home. And that night Dave and Lily went to bed in a happy mood and lay awake for hours evolving and discussing plans and specifications for their new home. End of section one.